Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You! Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent, and I am so excited to tell you that we have officially hit 50,000 downloads of this podcast. It took 63 episodes in just over one year, 50,000 downloads. Thank you so much to everyone who continues to listen every week. Keep telling friends about it. If you want to listen ad-free, you can do that at Patreon, where you can also get the full unedited guest interviews. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent, and you can join for next to nothing. It's super easy. I'll send you stickers if you do. This week's topic comes to us from RJ, who is in St. Joseph, Missouri. Uh, Hey, Michael. uh, This is RJ from Missouri. I'd like to suggest an idea for the show. During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln actually jailed politicians who were Confederate sympathizers. Uh, It's kind of an interesting case of due process and habeas corpus. Uh, Thanks. Thanks, RJ. Uh, This is a fantastic topic. Let's get into it. What if I told you there's a line in the U.S. Constitution that can be used to imprison political opponents for no legitimate reason at all with no specific charges filed against them. The writ of habeas corpus in the United States dates back to the very beginning of our nation. The idea is inherited from English common law and it guarantees citizens the right to be held in jail only if there are specific legitimate charges filed against you in court. King John in England signed the Magna Carta in 1215 and its 39th clause said no man shall be arrested or imprisoned except by the lawful judgment of his peers and by the law of the land. And still today, this standard is the bedrock of the American legal system and the individual freedoms which it guarantees. It was James Madison who, in 1789, argued that habeas corpus should be adopted into the U.S. Constitution. In 1830, United States Supreme Court Chief Justice John Marshall said that the, quote, great object of the writ of habeas corpus is the liberation of those who may be imprisoned without sufficient cause. Article 1, Section 9 of the United States Constitution states the following, The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless, when in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. And it was those last 14 words, here they are again, unless when in cases of rebellion or invasion the public safety may require it. It was those words that the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, used to circumvent this long-standing right. This clause, known as the Suspension Clause, has been invoked only four times in our nation's history. I'll tell you about the others later, but the most notable is the first time. It was 1861, and the nation had been thrown into what would become a deadly civil war. Washington, D.C., the capital of the Union, was largely undefended, and its nearest large city, Baltimore, Maryland, was full of people who Lincoln saw as Confederate sympathizers. It was a precarious situation early in the war. At 2 a.m. on May 25, 1861, a Maryland politician named John Merriman received a knock on his door. When he opened the door, he encountered Union troops commanded by General William Kime. He was taken to Fort McHenry, where he was confined without being charged with a crime. Merriman was just one of more than 2,000 prisoners taken without being brought before a court. 
We'll tell you more after a quick word from our sponsors. If you watched Innovation Nation last weekend with Mo Rocca, you saw Scotty Vest, awesome functional clothing. They were featured nationwide on CBS. It's been colder lately, and if you look at the photos on my Instagram, you'll see I'm wearing one of my favorite clothing items for this time of year, my Scotty Vest fleece. It's been awesome for traveling around because it's got pockets for all my gadgets, my phone, my glasses, my wallet, charging cord, you name it. I'm confident they've got an article of clothing that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. Give them a look at scottyvest.com, and just by listening to this show, you get 15% off your order. Enter promo code TELLME, all one word, T-E-L-L-M-E, that's scottyvest.com, promo code TELLME, or use the link in the show notes. You've got a lot of things to fret over lately. When you're traveling, safety is a concern. Your own safety and your friends and your families. That's the most obvious concern. With this app called Beacon, you have full control of how much you'd like to share with whom, when, and for how long. So once a year, my friends from college and I get together for a guy's weekend. We come from all over the place, and that day that we're meeting up, we're constantly texting each other to update our ETAs so we can figure out dinner, and it gets to be a lot of texts. With Beacon... Everyone signs up and then there's no more need for all those text messages. You can instantly see the ETAs of everyone. And the best part is that Beacon cares about protecting your privacy. So you control how much info you give and when. When you don't want the app to show your location or your name, you just toggle that off. It's that easy. Check out Beacon on Google Play or the App Store or go to beacon.site. Let's get back to the story. The idea of putting political opponents in prison is not something that's supposed to happen in America. And it seems like it's often one of those things that gets brought up in modern politics. Here's Fox News' Tucker Carlson denying that Republicans call for the jailing of political opponents. Notice that Giuliani has not called for the White House to round up and imprison its political opponents. He never will call for that. Republicans generally don't call for that. In fact, they never do. And here's every Trump rally ever. And here's Rudy Giuliani. And he basically made it clear that she's not qualified to be president because she should be in jail, which we all know. (laughs) And here's former President Donald Trump. Unless Bill Barr indicts these people for crimes, the, the greatest political crime in the history of our country, then uh, we're going to get little satisfaction unless I win and we'll just have to go because I won't forget it. But these people should be indicted. This was the greatest political crime in the history of our country. And that includes Obama and it includes Biden. These are people that uh, spied in my campaign and we have everything. The insurrectionists that stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th are just now starting to see prison sentences, and people on the right are calling it political imprisonment. But that's not what it is. What it is are people being charged, prosecuted, having their day in court, and being held to the legal system of justice. It's something very different than 1861. There was no charge in 1861. There was no court, no judge. John Merriman sat in a cell in Fort McHenry in Baltimore, closely guarded by Union troops. He hadn't been charged with a crime. He was being imprisoned through the suspension of habeas corpus on orders from President Lincoln. And Lincoln had a reason for this. As I stated earlier, Baltimore was very close to Washington, D.C., the command post of the Union Army. And those rioters and insurrectionists we saw in 2021 
That didn't happen in 1861. No one was able to get close to the Capitol building during the Civil War, which is amazing considering the Confederate capital of Richmond was only 95 miles away. It was important to protect the Capitol, and Lincoln knew that there was a portion of residents of Baltimore who were sympathetic to the Confederate cause. Some people that far north were essentially fighting for the Confederacy. Men like Ross Winans, a railroad magnate who took some of the rail steel he had and made steel spikes for the express purpose of being used against abolitionist northerners. He was arrested and held at Fort McHenry until he pledged an oath to the Union. Uprisings were imminent and some were already happening. Just one week prior, there had been a riot in Baltimore. Anti-war Northern Democrats, known as Copperheads, had joined with Confederate sympathizers to stop the passage of Union troops through Maryland. The fighting resulted in four Union soldiers dead, 36 wounded. On the side of the rioters, there were 12 dead and hundreds wounded. These were actually considered the very first deaths due to hostile action during the Civil War. It became known as the Pratt Street Massacre, and Lincoln was panicked that it happened so close to home. The riot at Pratt Street wasn't an isolated incident. Plans had been discovered of more disruptions by Confederate sympathizers. After the riot, the Maryland legislature voted to stay in the Union, but to close rail lines through the state. The governor had asked politician John Merriman to help blow up railroad bridges north of Baltimore. Lincoln's highest-ranking general, Winfield Scott, wanted to bombard the city. Lincoln didn't like that idea. Instead, his solution was to suspend the writ of habeas corpus. It didn't end with John Merriman. Baltimore's mayor, George William Brown, was thrown in jail. He had supported the movement of Union troops through the city and generally sided with the Union, but was also accused of being wrapped up in the plot to destroy bridges. The police chief, the board of police, the entire Baltimore City Council, and Henry May, a sitting United States congressman from Maryland, were all arrested indefinitely without a trial. Judge Richard Carmichael was an outspoken Confederate sympathizer. Union troops dragged him from the bench of his circuit court, pistol-whipped him, and sent him to Fort McHenry. It wasn't just politicians and police officials. Also locked up at Fort McHenry were at least a dozen newspaper owners and editors, including Frank Key Howard, the grandson of Francis Scott Key, who wrote the Star-Spangled Banner about the very fort where his grandson was now imprisoned. Frank Key Howard wrote about his ordeal being held without charge, and at least two publishers were then arrested just for publishing it. These imprisonments didn't go without challenge. Some of these men, like Merriman and Mayor George William Brown, claimed to be firmly on the side of the Union. Mayor Brown even aided in helping those Union soldiers march through Baltimore, but with the rumors of the bridge destruction, Lincoln had to be sure. Merriman was a vocal secessionist whose claims of being loyal to the Union were just disingenuous. He fought his imprisonment in court, and Judge Roger Taney, if that name sounds familiar, this is the same man who had given us the horrible Dred Scott ruling, by the way, determined that Lincoln could not, in fact, suspend habeas corpus and that it must be left to Congress. So Thaddeus Stevens introduced a bill to indemnify the president and anyone carrying out the act of suspending the writ of habeas corpus during that time. It passed with little opposition. 
All in all, more than 2,000 political prisoners were held at Fort McHenry without trial or even being charged. Even Thomas Holliday Hicks, the governor of Maryland who had once asked for the destruction of bridges north of Baltimore, ended up voicing his support for the Union and said the following, quote, I believe that arrests and arrests alone saved the state of Maryland not only from greater degradation than she suffered, but from everlasting destruction. I approved them then and I approve them now. And the only thing for which I condemn the administration in regard to that matter is that they let some of these men out, end quote. I'm assuming that the some of these men that he was talking about were the ones that were following his orders and that's why they got put in jail. At the end of the Civil War, these suspensions of the writ of habeas corpus were rendered inoperative and no longer remained in effect. But since then, the presidential suspension has been used a few additional times. After the war, President Grant used it to imprison members of the Ku Klux Klan. It was used for a short time in 1905 in an issue with the Philippines, during World War II to imprison suspected foreign saboteurs, and it was used by President Clinton in 1996 following the Oklahoma City bombing. But that's where we start seeing these congressional acts using the word terrorism. The 1996 act was called the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act of 1996, and the fight against terrorism is still being used to hold prisoners without trial in places like Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Petitions regarding habeas corpus are constantly being filed in court. After all, this is one of the bedrocks of American freedoms. When Lincoln jailed political opponents during the Civil War, he was doing so to protect the Union, and the morality and legality of his decision has been debated ever since. What would have happened if a contingent of pro-Confederate insurgents rose to power in Baltimore and attacked the nation's capital? What would have happened if Abraham Lincoln never suspended habeas corpus? We don't really know, and hopefully we'll never have another situation in which it may be necessary. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling Brandon Anderson. Brandon is an actor, comedian, and singer, a meta performer at Shadowbox Live. I put a call out on my Facebook, said, who of my entertainer friends is really into American history? And Brandon answered the call. Brandon, it's good to see you. It's been too long, my friend. I know, Michael. It's so good to see you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so, so happy to be here. We were able to work together at Shadowbox Live for a short period when I was a guest there. And um, I'm always happy to go back there. Every once in a while, I go back and perform at the upfront stage at yeah. Shadowbox. And uh, you are just one talented dude. Ah, thank you very much, and, man. Uh, it's so it's just been so fortunate to be able to do what I love for so long, um, especially in a place like Shadowbox. So it's been great. Yeah. For those of you listening, Shadowbox Live is a place in Columbus, Ohio. That is a sketch comedy and rock and roll theater. It's so much more than that, but it's that's the easiest way I've found to explain it to people. It's a sketch comedy and rock and roll theater where everyone who does all of the stage work on on stage, the acting, the singing also does everything else. Uh, so the folks that are serving you your food are the same folks that are, are on stage a, a moment later singing. They're the, the ones that are selling you the tickets, doing the marketing, building the websites, cooking the food. It is a really cool place. And uh, it was, I, I really enjoyed the time there. And it was hard for me to, to get to a point where I said, okay, I need to, I was staying till like two in the morning on the nights where I was <laughs> guesting. So I can't imagine 
uh, the, the the people who work there full time, what that's like. It's such a time commitment. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's a, it's an all in kind of thing when it comes to Shadowbox. Um, at least it has been for a really long time. You know, um, we're we're really focus, focusing on trying to trying to fuse back in that kind of work life balance that, you know, more most uh, as we like to call them, regular people yeah. <laughs> like to yeah. like to definitely do. Um, but, you know, being being um, being in a craft that just requires you to be so um, in tune to what people want and what people are are looking towards or looking looking to to relax with. Yeah. Um, it's it's really important to just focus in on, on on that craft because every beat matters, every joke matters, every scene and sometimes costumes matter when you're trying to create a whole experience that people can can escape into. So it's yeah. it's because of the detail that you get so intense. And that's why that's why I really appreciated um being a being a guest of your of your theater. Let's let's get into the quiz, Brandon. Happy to have you here for this first question. We're playing for a joke. So if you get it right, I have to tell you a joke. If you get it wrong, okay. you'll tell me one. So here's your question. During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln jailed up to 2000 political opponents in a suspension of what? Now, these are all multiple choice. So Abraham Lincoln jailed up to 2,000 political opponents in a suspension of what? A, licentia libertas, B, habeas corpus, or C, spectrum sempra? All right. All right. This is a great question because all of these sound right. But the correct answer is B, habeas corpus. You are correct. Habeas corpus. <laughs> spectrum sempra is a spell from Harry Potter. Uh, that is used to inflict lacerations on a target. Uh-huh. And licentia libertas is just something I, I just searched up like um, Latin words that, that would work. So, yeah, habeas corpus. Um, that's what this episode is about. It's about the uh, mostly in the Baltimore area, <clears throat> the larger Maryland area, where it was just a little too close for comfort to Washington, D.C. There were a lot of people put in prison with no trial, no judge, no charge. Yeah. I owe you a joke. So here is your joke. Let me have it. Why is there no aspirin in the rainforest? I don't know why. Because it wouldn't be financially viable to sell pharmaceuticals in a vastly unpopulated rainforest. <laughs> that is the best kind of jokes are the accurate ones, Michael, I, I think. I, it was like uh, two months now I've been doing these stupid anti-jokes for this show <laughs> because I had Jimmy Mack on and he loves the anti-joke. And so I found one for him. And then I just decided that question one would always be anti-jokes if the person gets it right. So thank you. You're thank very you. welcome. You're very welcome. Question two. <laughs> question two. For this question, we're playing for a story about something embarrassing that's happened to us while performing. So if you get it right, I'll tell you one of mine. If you get it wrong, you'll tell me one of yours. Okay. Baltimore was the site of the first bloodshed as a result of fighting during the Civil War. But the actual first Civil War death occurred when a cannon exploded and killed its operator. Where did this occur? A. Fort Sumter, South Carolina. B. Appomattox, Virginia. Or C. Manassas, Virginia. Wow. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go with... Manassas. Unfortunately, Brandon, the answer is A, Fort Sumter, South Carolina, the very first battle of the Civil War. No lives were lost as a result of fighting. The only life that was lost in that first battle was some, some dude exploded his cannon on accident and got killed. Uh, Inside that was the, the fort. confusing one. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, 
It's right. that's one of those tricky uh, trivia things that the listeners can take with them. The first actual Civil War death did not re- did not occur from from uh, from actual battle. Now, do you have an embarrassing story that has happened to you recently, or, recently? or ever? It doesn't have to be recently at all. Well, this one's pretty recently, uh, which is which is great. So we were just closing up our uh, the last show uh, at Shadowbox. Uh, let's get it on. Uh, we had just finished closing. We just uh, we just opened up the holiday show this weekend. Uh, but let's get it on was just playing a few weeks ago. So there are two in the second act. There are two things that I have to do. One is uh, a, a sketch of Funk Daddy Love, one of my popular recurring characters. And then there is a um, there is a, uh, a a song, a song I do in like these hippie clothes. It's a rare earth song. Celebrate, you know. So anyway. Uh, I'm getting dressed. The Funk Daddy sketches first. I'm getting dressed and I'm ch- I'm chatting and everything. I'm getting dressed. And I'm walking down the hallway and I feel like my body's moving differently as I'm walking towards the sketch, towards the stage for the sketch. And I'm looking down and I'm in the wrong costume. Oh I'm in gosh. the wrong costume, right? So I have about six measures to change. So I haul ass back <laughs> to the to the dressing room. Jamie and Andy are there. I'm like, guys, shut up. I need you. Like they're ripping off my clothes. They put everything back on and I go on stage and I think I made it. And the lights come up and I look down and there's this sprinkle or this sparkle looking down. And it's my brand new gray chest hairs popping back out. <laughs> so I have just a blazer on with pants and they're Velcro sided. So I'm holding on to my pants on my side. I've got no shirt on. I'm in like fake velour and I'm talking about making it with my sexy love album. So <laughs> I really deserve some tips after the show. Um, but but I think I think that was that was that was unbelievable because I've I mean and I've been doing this thing for so long and I just zoned out and I went on stage almost in four inch platforms and um floral print stretch pants. It would have worked. So, yeah. It would have worked for celebrate though, right? That's what right, <laughs> right. Either way it was a winner, right? But yeah, but that was the most recent one. That was most that's, recent. That's pretty sure. great. I'll tell you one of mine anyways. Uh Go I mine happened last Thursday. I did a show. It was a great show, college show in a cafeteria, which is always challenging, you know, people are literally eating chicken fingers right in front of me. And it, the show went well. I didn't notice anything strange. And the very the people in the very front row came up to me immediately after the show because I go down to to talk with people and to sell merch and stuff. And the very first thing they said was, uh, did you know your flies down? <gasps> and they told me it was down for the whole show. But no one indicated. No one pointed. No one laughed. You would think that I would pick up like I'm very perceptive of the audience during the show. And I didn't see anything. I didn't see any pointing and laughing looking you know I just I didn't notice any eye contact toward my crotch region it was uh down for the whole show and I was like oh well you know what I I wear my shirt untucked it was like a button-down shirt untucked and I was like well maybe that just was covering it for most of the show and I went back and watched the video no 100% like gaping open (laughs) fly and uh the whole show it was that way and no one said anything to me well maybe they thought something was supposed to happen maybe they thought like some glitter sprinkles or like an ace of spades was yeah supposed to pop out it's like something. a it's like a running gag it's the elephant in the room joke <laughs> oh, did you close God. with the confetti because i did they thought someone was shooting out yeah seriously i did i closed with the confetti and that was when they said that they they, they it like was really like um apparent <laughs> because I do the pose where I'm like, you know, I'm spread with my legs like bent and oh, yeah. it's a whole thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, yeah, that just happened. But it, that's got to happen at least once, right? I think that's got to happen at least Definitely. Once. It's a humbling experience and it helps you remember the importance of button flies. <laughs> Those were a pain in the butt. I, <laughs> I had button flies uh, as recent as maybe like 10 years ago and I hated them because it was just 
it's t- just too much time for that. Hey, you need, sometimes you need to know that you're secure and a button fly is going to do it. But hey, I digress. Okay. <laughs> question three, Brandon. For this question, we're playing for a coveted, the internet says it's true sticker. These <sighs> are only available by joining the Patreon for as little as $1 a month, patreon.com slash Michael Kent, or by winning the third question. They are a three inch by three inch square sticker and the back of them is covered with adhesive at wait wait adhesive adhesive shit okay that's Let's a bonus in. feature on the sticker that we've just put on uh lincoln abraham lincoln used article one section nine of the constitution to suspend habeas corpus mm-hmm. what does article two of the constitution deal with is it a executive power of the president b states rights or C, judicial boofing? Um, B, the executive branch, executive powers. That was A. Oh, sorry, A. But the answer, yes, executive powers is what I mean. Executive I powers. You got it right. It is executive power of the president. Uh, judicial boofing is, of course, a, uh, a, a reference to our dear Justice Kavanaugh and his <laughs> confirmation hearings. I don't know if I should draw. I'm learning so much today. Yes. Um, so, so this has been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Really All interesting right. stuff. And, and especially, you know, almost topical with the claims that some of the imprisonment of insurrectionists is a political imprisonment, which we know it's not, but that's what mm-hmm. the claim often is, you know, um, yeah. with the chance yeah, of really, lock her up for, for the entire Trump presidency. <laughs> these are these are important things to to talk about. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, insurrection really doesn't equal breaking a law, I guess. It's just right. it's one of those subtle differences. But yeah, yeah this, this has been very educational. Question. So you are uh, three for four at this point. Oh, no, you're, right. you're two for three. Excuse me. You're two for three. We are on question four. <laughs> and for question four, we're playing for doing the dishes. If you get it wrong, you have to do the dishes immediately when we're done here. If you get okay. it right, I'll do the dishes. Not your dishes, my dishes. You'll be doing your dishes if you. Get Wait, man, what did you have today? Uh, let's see. I haven't done so. We just so far, it's just coffee today. Okay. There so might like, be some. Are those it for the dishes? Mm, no, you know what? There are some things in the the in the sink that don't go in the dishwasher. So maybe some different like large utensils, like spatulas and things. Okay. So okay. it's not cool. going to be anything uh, major for me. This is a, it's going to be a, a five to 10 minute ordeal. If that 10 minutes would be excessive. Okay. Well, How about you? Dishes, but yeah. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure. Okay. 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 What uh, this is again, this is multiple choice. What is the literal translation of the Latin phrase habeas corpus? Is it a habits of death B right to live or C you shall have the body. C, you shall have the body. You are correct. You got that one right. You don't have to do any dishes. So get to scrubbing, Kent. Take that, Noel. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will. Noel uh, Michael says you have to do the dishes. That was the deal. That was the yeah. deal. Uh, so, yeah, the you shall have the body. It means the judge needs to have the living, breathing body of the person who's been charged before them in order to sentence them. Habits of right. death, I thought ha- habeas corpus could easily sound like it could mean ha- habit habits of death. Habits of death. That makes me think of faces of death. You remember that? Faces remember of death. Things? Yeah, but you know what? As an adult, I found out that a lot of the faces of death scenes were fake, which yeah. I, I totally bought into and believed. There's a very famous magic show one where... 
the girl gets in the box and the magician starts sawing the box in half and then like finds out that he's really sawing through the girl and kills the girl. And it's shocking, I guess is the word. But I found <laughs> out after, after the, after the fact, it's all fake. It's all very fake. Uh, God, make them in the nineties. Right. Yeah. No, that, that Fine. used to be the big thing. You'd go into like family video and try to convince the folks to let you rent faces of death. And it never was that way. <laughs> so it ended up inevitably being that time when you had like a sleepover at a friend's house that you would, someone would bring a copy of that and you would watch it. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was, you, it was either that or pogs. <laughs> pogs. You mean like the game pogs in the nineties? Yeah, like the game pogs. Yeah. We had a, um, a thing, our, our marching band carried around pogs. And as this is a total band nerd thing. And the reason we did that was because our rival was Graham. Graham High School was our rival. And we used POG as an acronym to mean P on Graham. Not, not P, but, you know, the other, the worst word for that, P on Graham. And so that was like our little subversive way. That was our 1996 way to say, let's go, Brandon. That was our, <laughs> which you must be loving, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon's are having a moment, and they are. They're we're 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 just happy for the attention, honestly. Yeah. Um, like to see your name in print is just really exciting. It's always oh man. Well, you're doing well. You're three for four. Let's keep going. Here is your final question, and this one, Brandon, is for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, I'm banning you from the show, never to be asked on again. Here's your question. Okay. How has being a performer changed how you see the world? Mm. Compassion. I think that um, when it comes to comedy, sometimes what I think is funny isn't funny to someone else. And figuring out what makes them laugh uh, requires me to be, to step outside myself and put myself into their shoes. And I think that um, there's a level of compassion and empathy that comes with the job that makes you, um, that helps you read people better and it helps you understand people better. I think I'm a better communicator and I'm a better diffuser of, of issues when they come up in my life with people, conflicts, you know, by, by learning how to get honest quickly and getting to the point of things, it's, it's, helped, me, it's helped me be a better human, I think. That's an oh, yeah. awesome answer. I really appreciate you sharing that. And it's a correct answer, which means you got this right. I'd be happy to uh, have you on the show any any other time in the future. Tell people where they can find you if you want them to. Well, uh, you can catch me. Uh, well, you'll catch me on and off. Sometimes at Shadowbox Live. You can catch me sometimes at the upfront stage coming this January, coming this 2022. Let's hope. Um, we are also, you can also catch me on my personal blog, shutupasecond.com. It's all full of personal essays and blogs that go great with a cup of coffee. So check that out, subscribe. Um, and uh, I think that's it for now. That's awesome. Shutupasecond.com. I literally have never, I, I don't know that you've ever shared that with me. I, am I don't going think I've ever shared it with you. I'm going to go yet. and check it out when I'm done here. So check thanks again, man. Good to see you, Brandon. Thanks, Michael. You too. This has been so fun. Have a great day. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks to RJ for the topic and to Brandon Anderson for being my guest. Here's a kid who doesn't know what habeas corpus means. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. 
Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, Joshua Endress, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show was written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Aaron Kinney, Asher Falero, and the U.S. Army Band. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. <laughs>